How's it going, everyone? Good afternoon, whichever time zone you're in. This is Robert Jackson. Um, this is my second video podcast interview that I've done today, which is, uh, hey, it's nice to keep working. So um, awesome. today, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So um, I do have a returning guest in the corner with me. This time, we're going to be doing a video chat. So um, yeah, I'm really pleased to to have on to the center of the stage once more, Miss Tiffany Grant. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there. Hi, everybody. Yeah, nice, nice. to have you back on the show. And um, yeah, nice. Oh, nice to see that you have the Osaka earrings. I just noticed Yes, that. yes. I, they're my official podcast earrings or convention earrings, whatever. <laughs> awesome. Nice, nice. So um, yeah, a lot has been going about since we last chat. So let's mm -hmm. talk first talk about, um, you know, let's just play a little bit of catch up, uh, like okay. what you've been working on, what you've been doing since we last spoke. And yeah, mm -hmm. just to... Just talk about what we've been doing these days in the midst of these COVID times. <laughs> well, I, I actually did do a few conventions last year, um, awesome. sort of right towards the end of Delta, maybe, and uh, before Omicron. So it was kind of in that pocket. Uh, it's kind of fun being out of conventions again, you know, even if everybody was wearing a mask, it was still good to be out amongst the people and hopefully get to go out and uh, do some conventions later this year. I really, really miss that being out amongst the fans, amongst the people, you know, that's, that's really awesome. But uh, in the meantime, just been uh, chatting with everybody in my Facebook group. And um, I have done since we uh, chatted the last time of course uh the ava rebuild movies uh came on uh amazon last year which was pretty exciting <laughs> um and oh and i worked on uh, the first two uh girls and ponzer films of the uh, das finale series nice so you've still been working in the midst mm -hmm. of you know the pandemic and it's nice that we're all still being adapted to our little home recording studios um, exactly yeah mm -hmm. yeah um I'm, i've just always been thinking and wondering like um are studios gonna adapt to this new change um i know this probably could might be temporary but we'll see how things go in the next year or so but, yeah yeah well i mean one thing for me as as a voice actor uh, for many years the really all of my auditioning has i've been doing it at home for I like maybe 12, 15 years. So I've been doing all my auditions at home for a long, long time. And uh, most of my work I've been doing at home, uh, you know, for several years. So that aspect kind of dovetailed right into the pandemic very uh, well. Of course, on some of the projects I have gone into the studio, like for the, for the Evangelion films, for the rebuild go into a studio that had, you know, all the COVID protocols and everything. And um, actually working at a studio isn't too bad when it comes to, you know, COVID restrictions because you're in a, the room that you're in as a, as a voice performer, you're, you're in there by yourself. You know, there's, no, there's total social distancing because you're just in this room all alone. So um, from that point of view, it's actually pretty good. All right, nice. So, um, yeah, and I know that um, 
like I said, people have been recording or have been recording auditions from home or they sometimes would go into an in-studio session. But like I said, we don't know how the future is. I mean, it's always right. unpredictable. We don't know what the future holds. Sure, so. of course. Let's just stay optimistic and hope for the best. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but we're not, this is not a podcast to talk about, like, you know, real world stuff. I mean, as much as I really would like to. But, I mean, we, we want to talk anime. So let's talk sure. about, um, yeah, so let's talk about, I mean, the last time we've talked about, you know, your work in the industry and whatnot. So um, mm-hmm. I think we've yet to specifically discuss about, like, and I know we talked about Evo the last time. So let's talk about, I guess, the cultural and the impact that it left on the anime community and Mm -hmm. how it was one of the it was a very groundbreaking show of Mm -hmm. ahead of its time pretty much so um, yeah let's talk about the significance of the show and you know how it pretty much was a huge influence on the anime industry so um yeah so you told the story of how you got to be in evo but for the refresher for people who might might have somehow missed it last time i don't know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. would you like to share about your first time working on the show and how you got to be a part of this amazing amazing journey oh thank you i love that you called it a journey um yeah well (laughs) i had been working in anime um for about between two and a half to three years when i first started recording on evangelion and i i I was in, you know, in the studio fairly regularly working on other things like Blue Seed or, or Burn Up or uh, Burn Up W, whatever, working on these different shows. And um, I happened to see one time uh, one of the engineers was working on some post-production for a show and I didn't recognize it. You know, what is that? And then he told me what it was. I was like, oh, I've been yelling. I've never heard of that. What is that? You know, why am I not in that? So uh, anyway, I, I did end up being cast in Evangelion and uh, I actually, it turned out that I was really the only major cast member who hadn't auditioned for the part because I suppose uh, several of the roles that I'd already played, like Maki and Burn Up or Kome and Blue Seed, were sort of Asuka-esque, you know, very sort of little firecracker characters, very assertive. Um, anyway, and so when I found out about the role and I got videotaped so that I could watch the first seven episodes because Asuka doesn't come in until episode eight and I thought wow she must not be a very important character if she's not in it until the eighth episode (laughs) but uh (laughs) boy were you wrong (laughs) yeah yeah I it turns out I was wrong about that but anyway so I kind of brought myself up to speed and it turns out I was about this whiny little brat named Shinji who was running away from stuff all the time uh, and then Oscar was there, and all of a sudden the show was really awesome. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's that's really how I my time with uh, with Ava really got started um, many years ago. And that was towards like the end of '96 or beginning of '97. I just I really can't remember exactly when, but somewhere in that time frame is when I started recording. And back in those days, we only did like two episodes at a time because that's how many episodes were on a videotape. Ah, good old videotapes, VHS. Yes, VHS. Before DVDs were actually like invented, there were no DVDs back then. There weren't. There were not. There were not. No. Because I'm pretty sure that like um, 
because I mean, I'm probably gonna age and date myself a little bit here, but um, because I was somebody who actually did grow up, I had like these VHS tapes, and I would mm-hmm. have Disney, um, like pretty much shows that I watched on like Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon, what have mm-hmm. you at the time, but I um actually didn't really watch anime until I got older, and then I started, mm-hmm. uh, but then again, I did see like these anime cassettes of um. What was it? Um, Pokemon, Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. So we're mm-hmm. talking like, um, you know, one. Yeah, we're talking about like the '90s, 2000s, the millennial, mm-hmm. like the big, the big mm-hmm. shows, the gateway shows back in the day. Yeah. Because, um, <laughs> hey, um, for all of you kids at home, um, for all of you '90s, uh, 2000s kids out there, um, y'all remember the Blockbuster and the uh, uh, what else? Hollywood Video, because I certainly mm-hmm. do. Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how I found like the VHS tapes. And... Oh, what's that? Suncoast. That was a big one. Yeah, it was not like Blockbuster and Hollywood Video. Those were rental, but Suncoast was the uh, big chain that was in all of the shopping malls where people actually bought uh, anime and what? CDs and DVDs and all of that stuff. So Suncoast. I think I actually remember now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Suncoast. They were really really big in the 90s and up through about the mid 2000s and then yeah like uh yeah late maybe around 2009 10 something like that they all you know they were gone they went bust so yeah and there was a lot of merchandise that you buy from um mm-hmm. i think i remember there were was at the malls shopping malls there used to be kb toys that oh and yeah. Toys yeah 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking yeah, about those all, things. All gone. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's really cool that, you know, Neon Genesis was, um, I think at the time, it was mid 90s and the show was uh, really exploding in Japan. Um, mm-hmm. And by the time it went to America, it's like, um, oh man, it's over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. like, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Actually, um, yeah. If it, I was going to say, Evangelion actually came out on home video in the U.S. before it came out on home video in Japan. So uh, while the fandom was first sort of building for Ava in Japan, we were uh, recording it. So we were actually um, really pretty early on in recording it because uh, back in those days, a lot of times, uh, you know, a show would have been out in Japan for a couple of years. And then at some point later, you know, an American company would uh, would license it and start dubbing it. But we were, you know, we were already dubbing it while it was in its original run on TV in Japan. So we were in there pretty early. So it was not a big global phenomenon yet at the time when we were working on it. That kind of happened later. And uh, yeah, that was that was pretty uh, amazing. So, you know, just working and going into the studio and working on various different shows. And it turned out uh, one in particular, Evangelion turned out to be quite a big deal. <laughs> oh yeah, wow. like wow. a very big deal because um, not too long afterwards, there were like convention conventions dedicated to Evo. And then um, you guys started getting invited to these, that to those very mm-hmm. conventions. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, I don't think I've asked you this the last time, but how was it like getting to be invited to your very first convention? Because I know you've done like 
a ton since then. But yeah, how was it like yeah, your first actual convention, con experience? Well, not as, if not as an attendee, but yeah. as a guest. So yeah. Speak. Well, my uh, I, I have been a guest at almost three hundred conventions now, um, all but four U.S. states actually, and several other countries. But I digress. So my first uh, convention that I went to as a guest was in uh, May of '97, and the the uh, the tape of Evangelion that I was on, which was uh, volume four, uh, Oscar Strikes, that had not come out yet in May of 97 when I did my first convention. And uh, I, since I'd never been to an anime convention before, I kind of didn't really know what to do and where to go. And so I was spending a lot of time hanging out at the um, ADV booth in the dealer's room. And they had a really big backdrop, uh, a huge Evangelion backdrop there um, at their booth. And I remember talking to some of the fans there and pointing and saying, yeah, this girl right here in the red outfit, her, <laughs> I was like, that one's me. You know, I was telling people. So I, I remember that about it. At that point, you know, I had Blue Seed was already out. So people were familiar with that and some of the uh, other OVAs and things that I had worked on. But that was my, that was my very first convention um, as a guest and then just um, I guess yeah my next the next convention I did was a really really small one on a, uh, at Fort Hood in Killeen Texas that so that was kind of when the whole ball started rolling for me doing conventions in 97 and then in, in 98 so by the time I went back to that same convention which was at the time it was called Project Acon it's now just Acon I guess uh, I went back there in 98 and of course Evangelion was now was huge by that time and um, it was my first time I cosplayed as Asuka. So yeah, it was, uh, was all, it was very exciting. Uh, I didn't, you know, my very first convention, I had no idea what to do or anything about doing panels or whatever. Before that, I had gone to one convention in, uh, Less than a year earlier, I'd been to a Star Trek convention in 1996 just to check it out because I love Star Trek. So, yeah, before being a guest at an anime con, I had only ever been to one convention ever. <laughs> so I didn't really know what to expect. Boy, howdy. It just continued <laughs> to grow and grow from there on from this mm -hmm. point forward. I mean, um, absolutely. Yeah. Because when you really go back to the 90s, because um, mm -hmm. I think at the time, uh, because we did, um, a lot of kids grew up with American show. I'm not American. I mean, that's not right. Um, like with cartoons, like you see on Western animation. And then um, sure. I think the an then some of the first anime, um, um, it, I think, oh boy. Um, but I know some of the big ones that people were uh, familiar with were like, um, the Hayao Miyazaki films that were being dubbed by mm -hmm. Disney, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, they, Disney made. hadn't started to like streamline, I think, like because I believe Streamline did um, uh, My Neighbor Totoro uh, was oh, the, man. yeah. But uh, yeah, Princess Mononoke, but that was, I don't, yeah, I don't remember when that was in relation to, I guess that was in the late 90s. But uh, I mean, for me, 
when I was a kid, I watched Speed Racer and I also watched Ultraman, which is, you know, Sentai. It's not really um, anime, but it still is from Japan. And then um, later in the 80s, I had watched Robotech and didn't even really realize that that was anime. I didn't watch much Voltron, but I was kind of aware of that. So there was some anime around previously, but I think a lot of people didn't really realize that it was Japanese. And, you know, when Pokemon, when they first started putting Pokemon on TV, they were trying to sort of westernize it with the, you know, the famous donut thing instead of the, the rice balls, right? And, uh, and then at some point, the powers that be realized, oh, wait a minute, people actually like that it's Japanese. They like that it's from Japan. So uh, they kind of stopped changing all of that stuff. They realized people just liked it how it was. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Being on the internet, going on the anime forums back in the 2000s was like <laughs> yeah. a very fun time because um, you have people talking about like the localization changes for the dubs, mm -hmm. like um, particularly for kids, which I'm, I'm going to say this now. Um, I have nothing against for kids, but yeah. oh, man, like if you were somebody who was around the anime fandom in the 2000s, like um, it was a wild time. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, they were like, oh boy, like four kids did this, four kids did that. Why right. did they do it? Like they, they, they pretty much made One Piece into kids. Like it's a show <laughs> for adults, and then they try to have this yeah. dialogue and ugh, just yeah, there's more, so much more I would say, but yeah, well, I'm gonna keep it, it PG. <laughs> if you look at it from the point of view of the Japanese companies, yeah. they what they most wanted is they wanted their shows to be on American television. So they would say to the American companies and to, you know, four kids, whatever, do whatever you need to do to put it on American television. American television is not going to have some children's cartoon where, where the characters are smoking cigarettes. They're just not going to do that. And so um. it's really important to the Japanese licensors. It's not as if four kids or, you know, the American distributors are secretly making these changes that the, Japanese creators are going, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that to my show. No, just the opposite. The Japanese creators were saying, please do whatever you can to get our show on TV because we want to sell one piece toys. We want every American kid to take a one piece lunchbox to school and have a one piece backpack and wear a one piece t-shirt, you know? So they're trying to sell merchandise. They, they wanted those changes to happen in, um, Pokemon and One Piece and all of that. So there was, you know, nothing nefarious about four kids. They were just doing what had been done traditionally, like, you know, changes that had been made with uh, Speed Racer, for example, just, you know, get it on television. We want to make money off this show. So, you know what, though, the good thing is that it brought a lot of people into anime fandom so that they could watch the original versions that weren't altered where people didn't have, you know, where they had cigarettes instead of lollipops and all of those things. Yeah, yeah, it's not like, I mean, I, I love One Piece, I was in One Piece. I played two different characters in that show. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not Shakespeare, okay? This is not high art. This is not like you blasphemed something. So I hope everyone's not gonna hate me not for saying that, but you know, you can still, 
you can watch the uh, Funimation dub or you can watch it subtitled or whatever. It's fine. It didn't get destroyed. It just got changed temporarily. Yeah. Yeah. The easy way just to teach kids not to do drugs, don't smoke, just change it into a lollipop. Just yeah. nothing. Yeah. Nope. I don't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Lollipops. You know, lollipops. when... Uh, when I was doing, when I was doing conventions, like in the late '90s, early 2000s, and I met Peter Fernandez, and he was uh, in charge of like doing all the scripting and directing for Speed Racer and uh, a lot of the other dubs that happened back in the late '60s and early '70s. And he, you know, actually played Speed Racer, but um, he would do things like there would be a horrific. Uh, car crash you know in speed racer and he'd have the track announcer say oh that looks like a pretty big pretty bad crash there but hey everybody's okay you know clearly the, the cars had blown up and everyone was totally dead but you couldn't have a children's cartoon where you know the characters on the show are being killed you can't have that on american television so hey that was a bad accident but looks like everyone's all right you know and you could show the kids that literally um spoiler alert i mean if you haven't seen lion king i mean i don't know why you haven't but it's like you can show kids that bufasa literally just died but no uh they speed racer they crashed well, but they made it out okay yeah, but that you're talking about a feature film, which is not the oh, yeah. same thing as a as a broadcast TV show. So yeah, I mean, hey, look, in Disney, there's a lot of people that die in those Disney films. You know, oh. there's always somebody's mother or somebody's father or somebody's going to be an orphan. You know, I mean, for sure, somebody's parent is going to die. Yeah, I know. Oh, Bambi's mom is dead. There you go. And that's the beginning of the movie. Yeah, there you go. So. Yeah, and that's I know. Happening. Literally, I've been to the beginning. So I mean, yeah. I mean, they just want to give you the like the harsh reality, I guess. But mm -hmm. yeah. So, anyways, back to Ava. Um, back, to, back to Ava. Yes. Yeah. Ava so changed um, the world. Yeah, that literally did pretty much. So um, yeah, it it had conventions, and you know, you got invited as guests. But um, for, mm -hmm. as part as far as the actual show itself, um, mm -hmm. yeah. So. I want to say my first time watching Evo, um, I think, what was the, I mean, I've seen clips, but um, I think the, uh, until before I started watching like full episodes, but I think the first clip that I've actually watched was, um, um, it actually was with Asuka. It was with, um, you know, the scene where she's confronting, you know, the whole scene where she's has her inner feelings, that whole monologue and um, mm -hmm. just a lot of, just clips where it's just like it gets super dark. I'm not gonna give away yes. too many spoilers, yeah. but yes, just oh man, that's I bet that probably must have been like pretty brutal to record, like mentally. Yeah, Let's... absolutely. Yeah, there were some pretty uh, dark, pretty yeah challenging uh, aspects to uh, some of those uh, later episodes of Evangelion, and of course in the in the films as well. But yeah, yeah. for sure, and. You know, the thing about Evangelion that has everybody still talking about it so many years later, yeah. the TV series and the rebuilds, is that it, it's just not a straightforward thing. It's not just, you know, there's sort of a monster of the week. I mean, there is that kind of aspect to it, but there's the psychological part of it and what's going on there and these kids having to confront their their inner turmoil and 
dealing with reality and what is reality and what is my purpose in life and what are we doing here? I mean, there's a lot of really deep stuff and, and that it's just not really cut and dry. So everybody wants to discuss it and what they think about it. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to unpack. Well, yeah, because it is a psychological drama, and but it also has mechas and but oh look, there's giant yeah. robots. But no, no, <laughs> we want to really dig into the psyche. We want to really make uh -huh. the characters just go through heck yeah. in the show. No, this is what you're gonna be getting, kids. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And I, I like how yeah, and I think part of the reason why the show actually grew such a huge following is because I think this was one of the anime i mean people didn't really know that this was animated originally in japan but it got english dubbed but um i think the reason why this resonates so well to people it's um like it really touches upon themes like you know um self-loathing anxiety ptsd depression and just a lot of mental health stuff that really hasn't Absolutely. been tackled in uh mm -hmm. anime such as this i mean there might have mm -hmm. but like no this was probably the first um instance that people you know they realize that oh maybe animation isn't always real anime isn't always really for like uh i mean animation is for everyone but i think it's one of the first that was aimed more specifically for like the teenager particularly right. young adults the adult mm -hmm. audience and i mm -hmm. pretty sure that's the reason why it caught on so well is because um yeah it pretty much delved into such dark subject matters in such a in a in a way that hasn't been explored in pretty much animation or really in television mm -hmm. at least to that extent um yeah and it's interesting to know that um i think the the original manga artist the creator of evangelion mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i think i've read that he, yeah him i think he was going through like I think he had struggled with depression and I think he really incorporates like the religious themes and you know the struggles into the characters and it really does show in the work yeah. and um and I mean yeah, I know I think that he's got a lot of that is really Ano a lot of that is really Hideaki Ano I mean Yoshiki Satomoto he's more of like the character designs and Ano is more the the story element yeah. of it so that's more Ano the the themes of the depression and, and, and all of that. But I mean, for sure, um, for sure it's, um, it does deal with a lot of those mental health issues and emotional, uh, like really dark emotional problems that a lot of people deal with and particularly teenagers. And it does resonate with people in that way. And, uh, yeah, I know that I get that feedback from a lot of people I have for years. And so I really, uh, that's something I really appreciate about having been part of this journey and this, this franchise is the way that that has really affected people so much. Uh, them relating to those struggles with these characters, with Shinji and with Asuka and, and even with Ray too. And, and not just him, I mean, really it's, it's all of the characters have these different struggles like Misato, um, Ritsuko, they, they're all going through really, really difficult um, situations, difficult feelings, the things that they're having to deal with. And they, you know, a lot of it involves parental issues as well. I mean, pretty much all of them, so. Yeah, I agree. That's that is uh, 
that that's something that that Ava gave us that people will be discussing for decades to come I think for sure many more because like I said, this was such a huge, this was a very groundbreaking show. I mean, um, mm -hmm. when it hit America, like the, it just pretty much exploded just right away. Um, I think it alongside yeah. shows like um, from the 90s, like there was Cowboy Bebop and then later soon after, I mean, like I mentioned, there's DBZ, Sailor Moon, um, Pokemon, Digimon and other big anime. Um, some that you were also a part of, like in the 2000s, like Full Metal Alchemist, Orion, and many more that um, <laughs> yeah. going on into the 2010s. Like, I know right now we have My Hero Academia, which is just, um, you know, really taking the internet by storm. And mm -hmm. um, and we're going to go still, uh, let me see, there's My Hero and some other shows that come out. Come out. But um, yeah, going back to um, Evo, though, it's um, like we've talked about. Um, it's the themes of just self-doubt with all of these mental health stuff that that was tackled in there. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I know that we've also discussed this the last time, but you having to record <laughs> those scenes as an actor, uh, placing yes, yourself yes. into the character's shoes mm -hmm. when they're going through these really very uh, heavy eternal struggles must have been, you know, a unique experience. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. 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 I, I mean, it, it was, I mean, I have to, you know, internalize those issues that, that Oscar's dealing with. And yeah, that is, that is painful and that is uh, difficult to, to deal with. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm so fortunate. I, I feel really thankful that I've been able to have the opportunity to, to work on a show of, you know, that have this kind of impact on people and um yeah it's really it's, i feel like it's really been a, a gift to me and um it's given me the opportunity to to talk to folks like you and uh you know i really really appreciate that i should warn everybody that the battery on my laptop is getting very low because i was originally going to try to do this on my tablet today which did not work out for me but uh, anyway, I was able to get it going. So I'm glad I got to join you. Oh, no worries. No worries. No problemo. <laughs> but um, yeah. And I just also wanted to ask you, um, mm -hmm. let me see. As far as the character, Asuka, I think I've asked this the last time. But um, mm -hmm. so for the character of Asuka, so how would you say that Asuka has also left a huge, big, like, I guess, has also deeply connected to audiences and how mm -hmm. did she leave an impact on the community and well on the industry industry in general because like you said you cosplayed as her on in one of your mm -hmm. first conventions and mm -hmm. especially very popular with the cosplay community like wow um yeah, yeah um, how has Asuka left a you know I guess a mark on the anime fandom like how has she been at such an integral part of the show and yeah with the audiences out here you know, it's kind of one of those, maybe it's not the first, but it's certainly one of the first, uh, you know, the whole best girl thing with uh, Oscar and Ray. And that was like Oscar, Ray and Mari. So uh, that, that's kind of fun. It's interesting when I look back on it though, because really when the show first came out and for about, you know, maybe the first 10 years or so, it was pretty clear that Ray was was definitely more popular than Asuka. 
And, and then I feel like it shifted. I mean, and I'm not just saying this because I'm personally biased, but I feel like Asuka has really uh, come into her own and, and become much more popular over the last several years. But, you know, she's really that archetypal uh, Sundari character. And I mean, honestly, like if, if you just Google Sundari, there's Asuka, you know? Oh, there she is. So that those characters really, all of them and and Oscar for sure made a big impact on the industry and uh, the way other shows are produced and and other characters are viewed. But um, anyway, I'm I'm super excited that that I got to be Oscar and like I am Oscar. So so how do you relate to Oscar? I think this was something I asked last time, but uh, how do you relate to her in a way? Well, you know, I I love her uh, her her strength and her confidence and the way that she sort of picks herself up and she keeps going in the face of adversity. I love that, and that's something that I kind of aspire to. And you know, the struggles of wondering which i think is something that a lot of people can relate to with oscars like you know you want everybody to think that you're worthy but then trying to internalize that yourself and believe that you're worthy um definitely something that i i have faced from time to time and that i, I think that that's a very relatable quality about oscar that she wants to feel like she's worthy of being loved or worthy of her position or the trust that other people place in her or didn't just you know being worthy of whatever that situation is i always love i'm talking about like the mythology and the religious the 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 you know the core aspects <laughs> of eva evo but yeah. i feel like that would be something i would want to ask i don't know someone like crispin freeman because he is definitely into that stuff oh yeah so, he loves yeah. that for sure he loves that for sure and you know and a lot of it is just in my opinion a lot of those things are kind of a, a red herring and evangelion i mean it's it's there to make it more mysterious and mystical. And it's got these elements of Eastern religion and Western religion and it, you know, but I mean, to me at the core of it, it's, it's in some ways a classic hero's journey. So. It really also led the, the audience to really, um, you know, discover the Japanese seiyus and the English dub VAs. I mean, mm -hmm. um, all of you guys of the original cast, like there's Spike Spencer, Allison, Keith, Amanda mm -hmm. Wynn-Lee, and mm -hmm. Matt Greenfield, and numerous others that I could just yeah. go on and on about. But yeah, you guys just really made these characters your own. Um, the original Japanese seiyu did an amazing job of capturing the personalities. Uh, you guys also did too, but you added your own unique layer of depth right. to the characters that, um, you know, I guess that's also why audience really appreciate about and that's why you guys are pretty popular in the fandom <laughs> so you. yeah yeah well that you know the thing is we're not supposed to just try to mimic the japanese or just sort of create yeah. create the, what's like a like an english mimicking of a japanese performance it has to be a real character you know that you have to internalize and give your own performance while still staying true to the 
original uh, creator's intentions and all of that. So um, that's always very important to me when I'm working on a project. It's good that there's still Avo stuff going about. I mean, there's oh, yeah. like, you know, different dubs and also some other ones that you reprised your roles of. Um, yes. You know, like the recent one that you did. Um, how does it feel, um, you know, getting to reprise um, Asuka after all these years of, you know, after the original oh. had wrapped up and stuff before? Had well, wrapped. you know, Asuka is always very near and near to me. Like, it doesn't seem like that many years have passed because Asuka is really just always a, a continuous presence in my life. She's just always right there with me. So it doesn't, doesn't even seem like that many years have passed, although it had been many years since we had done the third movie. I mean, a lot of time have passed since that. But um, yeah, I was very, very excited and honored to get to come back and, and complete the fourth film. And um Anyway, just uh, gives me an opportunity to kind of close that chapter and uh, we'll see. Maybe there'll be another chapter in the future. But uh, thank you so much for asking me to be here today. And it was really great to talk to you again. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Stopping sure. by today. And All right. Yeah. Thank you so Anytime much. Anytime you want to do this again, just, yeah. Let's, okay, yeah. hon. Thank you. You have a right. wonderful rest of your day. You too. This has been okay. Station Square, and we're signing out of here. Thank you for listening. Guys. Alrighty. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Have a good day.